Podcast One Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 16th of December. Evacuation orders are in place for many areas along the Tweed River in northern New South Wales after days of torrential rain and wild weather. Authorities are warning of dangerous flooding with up to 500 millimetres of rain falling in the northern rivers and mid-north coast over recent days. The storm system is set to move across New South Wales with strong winds also expected. A massive clean-up is now underway after the once-in-a-century weather event washed away local beaches, including at Barham Bay and Corumban on the Gold Coast. Many of the flood-affected areas have been booked out for the upcoming Christmas holidays, and that has authorities concerned. Surf Life Saving New South Wales CEO Stephen Pearce telling 10 tourists need to take extra care this summer. We know that this summer that the New South Wales coastline is going to be the destination of choice. But what it does do is if some of these beaches remain closed or aren't as accessible or attractive, it'll push tourists into other beaches that are dangerous. So, again, we have to move our resources around. There's still no official confirmation as yet whether China has banned Australian coal imports. Chinese state media claims Beijing has made the move, which is set to cost our economy billions of dollars and further escalate growing trade tensions. Here's Prime Minister Scott Morrison. What is important to note here is that if that were the case, if that were the case, then that would obviously be in breach of um, WTO rules. It would be obviously in breach of our own free trade agreement. Um, And so we would hope that's certainly not the case. Um, And that's why we're seeking clarification on this. And joining us now is political reporter Annika Smithhurst from The Briefing podcast. Annika, considering its media is controlled by the Chinese government, it seems these reports are true. Yeah, they've also been somewhat backed in by at least a middle power Sort of ranking official over there. This is the way they often do these announcements. Um, I guess run it out in the media, see the reaction, and then when it gets serious and we try and have a proper diplomatic chat about this, they can either row back or row forward. But the Australian government isn't taking this lying down, and you can understand why coal and iron ore are our most lucrative exports. We're talking $14 billion of coal last year, which was exported to China. Um, of all the of all the in sort of diplomatic incidents we've had and, and trade wars, this seems to be the one that really has our government worried. Finally, they've said that they actually might challenge this. this they're saying this is against World Trade Organization rules, against bilateral rules, and they actually might take some action more than just standing out there and having a tit for tat in the media. Annika, it's set to get even more interesting with ongoing speculation. We could have a new trade minister within days as well. Yes, it's almost one of the worst-kept secrets. Look, there is going to be a reshuffle. We do know that, and that's to replace Matthias Cormann, who, of course, uh, resigned recently as finance minister. Now, he's been replaced by Simon Birmingham. Burmo's got a lot on his plate. So, look, it does look like we're days away from getting a new trade minister, and the front-runner is Dan Tian, who is currently the education minister. Whether or not he'll be able to take the heat out of the situation is unknown. He is a former diplomat. He worked uh, in uh, Mexico and in in Central America. So that could work in his favour. He also does represent a lot of farmers. He has a rural seat. So he will be, um, I guess, have those issues really at the forefront for a number of months. As we know, there's been huge issues with uh, rural communities um, affected by some of these bans. Annika, thank you.
Also making news this morning, thousands of small businesses hit hard by the COVID-19 fallout are fighting the insurance industry, which say their policies don't cover pandemics. A number of insurers are refusing to pay, citing the fine print in policies. Insurance Council of Australia CEO Andrew Hall has told the ABC they want the High Court to examine the implications. If the exclusion around the Quarantine Act and subsequent amendments was to be knocked out by the High Court appeal, uh, the industry estimates around 250,000 claims may need to be paid. That could represent up to $10 billion in payments. A second COVID vaccine could be soon approved in the US as the death toll continues to spiral out of control. One American is now dying every 30 seconds from coronavirus, with the death toll in the US passing 300,000. The Food and Drug Administration could approve the Moderna vaccine by the end of this week, with the first doses set to be rolled out as early as next week. There have been growing concerns over how quickly the vaccines are being approved, but America's top infectious diseases expert, Dr Anthony Fauci, has told Good Morning America safety has not been compromised. The speed was the reflection of extraordinary advances in the science of vaccine platform technology to be able to do things technically in months that some time ago, five, ten years ago, may have taken several years. In addition, the extraordinary investment, when I say investment, I'm talking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, in getting the vaccine ready to be distributed as soon as it was proven to be safe and effective. So people understandably are skeptical about the speed, but we have to keep emphasizing speed means the science was extraordinary that got us here. And more than a month after the US election, it is official. Joe Biden has won. Mr Biden has thanked the American people who turned out to vote, even in the face of the pandemic. More Americans voted this year than have ever voted in the history of the United States of America. Over 155 million Americans were determined to have their voices heard and their votes counted. Meantime, Russian President Vladimir Putin has finally congratulated Mr Biden on his historic win. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this morning. Former Melbourne principal Malka Leifer has lost her fight to avoid extradition to Australia after an appeal was rejected by the Israeli Supreme Court. Leifer is accused of abusing female students from 2003 to 2008. Our Melbourne reporter, James Lake, has this report. Thank you, Tash. Yes, the former Melbourne school principal is finally set to return to Australia to face trial over the alleged abuse of female students in her care. Malka Leifer is facing 74 charges over allegations of abuse between 2003 and 2008. She did fly to Israel after the allegations emerged, but last night she lost her final appeal against her extradition. A date for her return to Australia is yet to be set. The WA government is offering a $1 million reward as it continues to hunt the killer of former Rebels boss Nick Martin. Our Perth reporter Adam Hemmings has the details. Tash, the search for the shooter is still nationwide four days after Martin was fatally wounded in the torso with a single shot in front of families at Quinana Motorplex. WA Police Minister Michelle Roberts wants the murderer locked up. We want them behind bars. 
We want them to be apprehended. The million dollar award is unprecedented with the government also willing to consider a protection from prosecution or pardon for informants. Around 100 officers have been assigned to the police gang crime squad and they've carried out more raids across Perth. State Crime Assistant Commissioner Brad Roy says the investigation is still wide open including on the theory the killer flew to Perth from the east coast. And we've got to keep an open mind. I know there's been lots of theories out there but my job and our job is to keep an open mind, get the evidence and then we'll go from there. And school leavers in New South Wales are being urged to take a gap year and head to the bush to help our struggling farmers. Here's our reporter David Dolan. Thanks, Tash. There's an urgent need to fill a heap of jobs in regional New South Wales right now, and the state government believes TAFE and school students are the answer. The ban on international travel means farmers are desperate for fruit pickers. Some growers say they're losing thousands of kilos of produce because of critical labour shortages. Country pubs and restaurants are also looking to fill roles. A new government website is launching today aimed at connecting young people with these jobs. The selling point, have an adventure, enjoy the benefits of a traditional overseas rite of passage trip without forking out for a plane ticket. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, it will be a happy Christmas for many bank shareholders. Tash, good morning. It certainly will be, or at least it should be, because APRA, the banking regulator, has formally scrapped the cap on bank dividends. Now, we know bank dividends and and bank shareholdings in particular are big favourites of self-funded retirees and and other people as well. And APRA had previously capped their dividends to 50% of profits. It has formally removed that cap so to the extent the banks can afford to, and APRA did still say, hey, guys, just be careful, be a little bit conservative here, but they're certainly allowing them to pay more than that. So hopefully next time dividend season comes around, bank shareholders will get a little bit more cash in their pockets. Scott, as we reported earlier this morning, China's trade assault continues this time on coal, and the Prime Minister is ramping up his rhetoric on emissions and trade rules. This is fascinating, Tash, and of course, when I say fascinating, I guess I'm, you know, I'm underplaying it. If you're in the coal game or you're exposed to it, this is obviously terrible. You're up to $14 billion at risk, of course. This is a, a big, big deal. At the moment, China, of course, refusing to take Australian coal. The Prime Minister coming out with a couple of, a, a two-barreled response, I suppose. Firstly saying, look, if you don't take our coal, but you take someone else's, they will be more emitting, in fact, up to 50% more emissions, according to the PM. And, of course, also breaking, or at least, Scott Morrison is saying they're breaking the WTO, the World Trade Organization rules, that really restrict what, com- what countries can do to each other when it comes to things like banning a single country's export. So that's a big deal. Whether or not it has an impact on the Chinese, whether or not it changes what's going on, that's still the open question. And unfortunately, the longer this drags out, the more damage it's doing for us and also to the Australia-China trade relationship in general. Certainly is, Scott. There has been some good news, just little bits of good news coming out of the US with the vaccine, the COVID vaccine rolling out. Also confirmation that Joe Biden will be the next US president after the election. And that certainly had a positive influence on the US markets. Yeah, that's right. Look, I I desperately hate market cliches because they didn't be too trite and they kind of get rolled out by anybody who needs to comment. But the market genuinely does hate uncertainty. You say a lot, the market hates uncertainty. In this case, there is really three bits of good news on single trading day, and that's in the US market advance really nicely. The, you know, obviously Joe Biden's confirmation, again, the sense that this is hopefully finally going to happen. When I say hopefully, that's not a political view. It's just a a market stability one that, you know, maybe we know what's going to happen over the next four years. That's a good start. And then as you say, that will hopefully also lead to more economic stimulus 
for US businesses and consumers. And that COVID vaccine rollout also underway. So if you're looking for stability, you're looking for some sort of certainty moving forward, today, or at least last night for US or Australian time, uh, with a good bit of, you know, three bits of good news that really give the market some sense of being able to forecast or at least look ahead a little bit to what might happen in the future, and that sends share prices rise. And some interesting criticisms, Scott, about the CBA's Dolomites saving program. This is fascinating. I don't know about you, I had a Dolomites program when I was a kid, the, the Dolomites passport. That's exactly right, right? And so it's one of those situations where the, the corporate regulator, ASIC, has come out and said, look, this, there is no evidence this is good for savers, good for kids. And, of course, they're saying the, the marketing benefit, I think, you know, the fact we all look fondly on that program means we're probably all a bit predisposed to CBA, that kind of soft marketing, if you like, that, that creeps in, particularly for kids that don't have necessarily the, the cognitive ability to, to separate propaganda from, from information. And I think that's ASIC's broad concern. Now, other consumer groups like Choice have had the same issues. It remains to be seen, of course, what, if anything, it's replaced with. I do have some concern that if we take it away Kids may not be given something else to replace it to really generate those good savings habits, but at least as far as ASIC's concerned and apparently the research they've done, Dolomites is more marketing exercise and less consumer habit building. And I suppose from that perspective, there's some reasonable rationale to say it might be time to wind it up. Interesting to find out the stats, Scott, to see how many people stayed with the Commonwealth after they had a Dolomites account. I think that's probably true. Apparently, there's 180 odd thousand Dolomites accounts around the country. Mm. So, if I mean, if you're CBA and you're paying a little bit of money, it's, I mean, in, in the millions, but not the high millions, apparently. If you're paying a couple of million dollars to get 180 thousand consumers, that's a pretty good return on investment for your marketing. And I think, from a from a business perspective, I, I can understand why CBA would want to do that. I just, you know, as you say, you know, how many people stay? But even even still, even if they do stay with CBA, is that really the world's worst outcome? It's an open question. I think. You know, we don't want easy, you know, rails runs for, for, for businesses that are trying to take advantage of kids. On the other hand, I just desperately hope if they take it away, educators, teachers, school systems, find a way to replace it with genuine habit building. Information is one thing, but when you, particularly when you're young, if you can generate those really good savings habits at 6, 7, 10, 12, you can take through life. That is worth far, far more than whatever brand loyalty might be generated. So it's, it's a really, really difficult question. It certainly is. Financial literacy is very important. Scott, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. Now let's check sport with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the Aussie Test team has been rocked by a major injury scare ahead of the first test. Yes, good morning, Tash. That's right. That is not what we need with all the drama surrounding uh, David Warner, Will Pekofsky, Mitchell Stark at one point uh, taking compassionate leave. Steve Smith yesterday leaving training early. He went out there for the warm-up. Then they had a bit of a kick and catch at the footy as they they usually do, the test team. Uh, Then he went inside and didn't come back out. They had their main uh, batting practice session yesterday and he wasn't there. Cricket Australia is saying that he has lower back soreness but is in no doubt for the first test. So he hoped that that is right because that is the last thing that we need. Leading into a day-night test match against India. Now we are yet to know the full makeup of the 11. There's still... Some doubt around Joe Burns. We know he struggles with the bat, but Justin Langer yesterday refusing to rule him out. Alan Border says, though, that there's no way that you can pick him on current form. Having watched the last couple of games, he's just so out of sorts. He's trying things at the crease. It's just not working for him. So I reckon Matthew Wade and Marcus Harris might be opening the batting tomorrow, but we'll wait and see, Tash. We'll wait and see. Brett, now Peter Siddle was eye-catching in more ways than one in the big bash last night. What was yeah, this that's all right. about? Well, he's, he's fair-haired anyway, Tash, but he's decided to bleach his hair. So he kind of looked a little bit like 
M&M or maybe vanilla ice. It was sort of, it was uh, weirdly styled as well, but it seemed to work because he took a career high five for 16 for the strikers last night in the BBL, which when you've only got four overs to bowl, that was uh, quite stunning. And uh, he led uh, the strikers to victory. Jake Weatherall top scoring with 68. The victory target was 147. The strikers getting there with eight balls to spare. Let's hear from Peter Siddle, who spoke to Channel 7. Yeah, I do. I, I probably enjoyed tonight a bit more, not having to worry about the captaincy and just have fun out in the field and I'll probably help, help with my bowling a little bit as well. So, yeah, it was a nice night. Yeah, not sure about the hairstyle, but uh, the bowling's working at the moment, so who cares? Brett, maybe it was a strategic move to distract the opposition. Well, uh, maybe, and it definitely worked. <laughs> worked for me anyway. <laughs> and Brett, Paul Gallen and Mark Hunt will settle their bad blood in the boxing ring tonight. Thank you, Taylor Swift. That's right. Their bad blood will be settled tonight. Uh, Paul Gallen, Mark Hunt, of course, the two heavyweights. Paul Gallen, the NRL uh, legend, takes boxing seriously. His last fight was against Barry Hall. Mark Hunt now into his 40s. Hasn't actually boxed for a while. Of course, he was a UFC star, but uh, those two sports are very, very different. It's always hard to tell with the theatre of boxing how serious they are when they have a go at each other. But uh, Mark Hunt yesterday at the weigh-in went at Paul Gallen, actually threw a big haymaker at him. It did miss, and Paul Gallen, well, he wasn't too scared. A veteran of 30 years in combat sports wants to carry on like that. And, uh, it did shock me a little bit. I saw every part of it coming to just like I'm going to see every part of it tomorrow night. So that fight uh, is tonight. That's actually on the undercard. Tim Zhu taking on Bowen Morgan, who's a, a Kiwi fighter. Doesn't have a big reputation. So this Paul Gellin-Mark Hunt fight has kind of taken uh, a lot of the spotlight off uh, Timmy Zhu, who is the main event tonight. Brett, you've provided everything in your sport report today with a bit of vanilla ice and Taylor Swift. Thank you, Tash. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> See ya. Checking the weather details around the country this Wednesday morning now and as we reported earlier, the rain is set to continue in many parts of Queensland and New South Wales today. Showers and a top of 29 on the way for Brisbane. Showers also for Sydney, a high of 27. Humid and partly cloudy for Melbourne, a top of 26. 24 and showers on the way this Wednesday for Canberra. A late shower or two expected for Hobart, top of 17. Few showers also on the way today for Adelaide, 26 the expected top. Mostly sunny today for Perth and 31. And showers expected with a storm likely for Darwin and a top of 33. And a six-year-old boy in the US has secretly racked up more than $16,000 in Apple App Store charges on his mum's credit card for his favourite video game, Sonic Forces. George Johnson from Connecticut repeatedly kept buying the virtual items which allowed him access to new characters in the game. The purchases were made on his mum's iPad, which was connected to her credit card. At first, his mum, Jessica, thought it was fraud and filed a claim, but later found out from Apple that the payments were legit and she would have to pay after failing to turn the childproof settings on. She's now warning other parents to keep a close eye on their children, saying her son got addicted to the games and likened him to a drug addict. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.